I'm Lindsay. And this is episode 14 of Ningyo Bingo. Where you keep collecting dolls. But never seem to win the game. And uh, it's been an exciting month, which is why this episode is a little late. Um, Of course, the one thing I want to announce up front and first to talk all over (gasps) lovely Lindsay, which is being nice and quiet in the background. Well, Um, well, I'm just like... I'm excitedly sitting here, pe- like doing a little clapping movement to myself because we have a, we have things to announce. We ha- we have an announcement section this month. Yeah, which is kind of cool. So, like um, a up uh, podcast. So one half of us, um, me being that half, uh, mainly because I've been planning since last year and everything's kind of starting to come together. And I uh, have no money for large trips. Doll Acon. Um, so I'll go over this in a little separate video a little bit, but Doll Acon is kind of a little, if there was a Venn diagram, Acon is this big, huge convention in Texas, and then the little circle in the middle of that circle is Doll Acon. So you buy admission to Acon, and you can get into Doll Acon. Um, I will be volunteering there as well as performing, performing? Doing two panels. <laughs> <laughs> and let me tell you, if I was able to go, I would, but I can't, so I'm not. So, unfortunately, Becca is going to be flying solo, and I dearly wish I could be there supporting her while she's there, but in the meantime, I'm going to be helping out in other ways with our little project here, including editing things, so this episode is going to be edited by me. For the record, that's not normally how this works. We're There's probably going to be an apology explanation that I added earlier in the podcast just to explain why everything sounds terrible when it normally sounds amazing. So <laughs> let's all bear together. Like I was mentioning to you earlier, it might actually sound better because I'm not really sure if GarageBand is actually made for editing audio the way that podcasts have audio. I think it's more meant for editing music. So like yeah. the kind of thing where there there isn't like, there's very metered, empty spaces, and you could just make that space entirely empty and things like that, yeah. as opposed to voices yeah. where... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Well, um, other than Akon, I think there's a few other interesting things coming down the pipeline, too, aren't there, Becca? Um, let's see. Well, I have... I did go last weekend, actually, to a, a doll convention doll um, show, I should say. So what you would very much think of as an American doll show full of contemporary and antique dolls uh, in, um, let's see, Easton, PA. Um, And it was very, very nice. And I'm going to do a little video on that. I had some technical difficulties, but I'm going to work through it. Um, So that's something that's coming up. Uh, Let's see. What else? Um, I finally got all my Attractionistas dolls, so I will definitely do a box opening video then, and I'm saving it until Lindsay can come over so we can both swoon and ooh and awe and poke open boxes. Um, Yeah, we've seen a lot. um, There's a few videos on the YouTube channel, which exists, by the way, Um, (laughs) as well as um, occasionally you'll see on Facebook Becca's face, and Becca's been very visually forward. And mostly you've only heard my voice, but you may also see my face at some point in the future on the YouTube video channel near you. 
Yes. And um, yeah, it's been fun because I've been doing a few Facebook lives. I've done two of them so far. Um, they haven't had many visitors, but the, a lot of people view it after the fact. So it's kind of fun. Um, oh, that's fantastic. And, and as you guys might know, I... Okay, this sounds haughty. I am a wealth of doll knowledge. I won't say that. I've been in the doll hobby for 10 years. <laughs> Alright, if Becca won't say it, I will say it. Becca is a wealth of doll knowledge and has been in the hobby for a very, very long time at this point in the English-speaking side of things. So, Becca knows some stuff. Becca knows lots of things, and between both of us, we know a lot of incidental things that you just sort of pick up by exposure, and it's useless to keep it to ourselves, which is part of why the podcast exists. Yeah, just the fact that there's a lot of things that are doll openings, and there's a lot of things that are like, you know, look at this thing, I have a review. Or reviews. there's (laughs) There's not really, like, things that dig it apart and say, why is this happening right now, and things like that, which is really the fun part. And what is the history of all these companies, and why are... Why are these two companies the same company, but not the same company? And then what is this over here? And what is this work? Which is our yeah. our motivation, really. Speaking of which, we really... Oh, by, by we, I mean you, because you'd be the primary hitter on this one. Oh. Uh, you, you really need to do a whole podcast just on garage kits and how those oh. came to be in popular culture. Because I don't, I don't even know how that happened. Well... Um... It's- <laughs> it's I'm trying podcast. to not say no. No, it's something I would actually love to dig into because that's a whole different pool. Yes, to is, be in the deep end in. Um, but I but it is like definitely the, connected. Yeah, strongly. I feel like the Asian ball jointed doll as we know it today has a mom and a dad, or a dad and a dad. It has two parents, um, and those two parents are. Um, the garage kit hobby and the um, ball jointed art doll hard from the hobby. late nineteen seventies. Yes, era. and they made this beautiful baby that is the Asian ball jointed doll. <laughs> There's a meme that's been going around. It's like a family can be just <laughs> an abstract idea as well as an art movement, <laughs> and that strange ball jointed doll child. Yes. <laughs> So, so did that? Did that cover all the things we're we're working on? Well, at that's the moment, what we can really talk about right now. I'd also would love to remind people at the top of the show because I know sometimes people kind of check out at the end of an episode of a podcast, but we've still got you. You want to know what we're going to talk about today? We haven't oh even gosh, told you yet. I haven't even said it, which is great. Um, Don't say anything yet. But I want to tell our listeners if you haven't noticed already, we've revived the old Vokes um, resource den of um, gosh. Angel Den, Angel yes. Den. Um, it's now Neo Angel Den in true 1980s manga anime title style. Oh, yeah. And Neo, we have refreshed the website. Pizza. We have updated the website. There's a lot of new things on it. Um, yes. If you look at Nino Bingo's uh, main sort of landing page, there's a link there. If you search for Neo Angel Den, you'll probably find it. And we're working very hard to bring it up to date. Please check it out. Let us know if it's helpful to you. If you find any errors, if you want to add any information, please email us about it. Becca's worked really hard. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and I have to update it with uh, last month's, this month's, and everything that I could have was able to pull from the Wayback Machine for the uh, U.S. Uh, the U.S. Um, 
full custom full choice service. Of, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so far, the only part that has been recreated is the creating dreams section. Um, which, uh, it, it's cool. It's a lot um, by itself, let me say. Hey, hey, guess what? Guess what? Guess what? 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 I have a segue. <gasps> oh my goodness, do you have a segue, Becca? <laughs> shh, shh, shh. Let's see if it works. Oh, so we can't tell we... them, right? We have to keep it a secret. Otherwise, oh, it's not well. a real segue. Right, right, absolutely. Yeah, I'll cut this out later, totally. Totally. Hence, I'm so... never going to cut this out. <laughs> so one of the cool things about the U.S. Uh, full custom service is that it's one of the first times, other than school heads, um, what is it? Just school heads, the MSD kits, and that was about it. Um, Maybe really US... far back originally. Yeah, well, they didn't get discontinued that... No, they did get discontinued that long ago. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> now you can almost reliably, every month, every other month, whenever they decide to have this thing, buy a Volks doll without a face-a-thon and actually save money by doing so. Before you could actually request it without, but you'd have to still pay the full price for the doll. Now you actually I think you can without. also request without the eyes glued in. Um, yes, you can request without the eyes glued in. Which and is you have unusual. To request the face up to get the eyes. So if you go to try to save a little money, and you bring your doll home, and you're so excited, and you open it up, and they have a nice blank head. Guess what? It's time for episode fourteen. Get your face on. Get your face on. Get your get oh, your get your get your, get your face on. My. We're gonna talk about face ups. I did not agree. <laughs> I did not agree to this version of this title. I don't know how I feel. <laughs> anyway, we are absolutely going to be talking about face-ups today. Um, we're going to be talking about what goes into doing a face-up. Um, there's different ways to go about putting a face on the doll. What? Where did this term come from? Hint, it's Japanese portmanteau language. And... Like, what goes into having someone else do it for you, the terms involved, hopefully a nice overview for, especially if you're someone who has a secondhand doll, for example, and you want to change things up, or you want to, you have a doll that's brand new from the company and you want to dive into it and put on, give this, like, breath of life and character into the doll yourself, or if you're interested in maybe you're tired of what you have and there's maybe chips and smudges on the current face up on a doll and you want beautiful artwork from someone else's hands who you really admire that's our goal today <laughs> yes um and i think you chose one of the really good starting points um so uh, the other option other than having a a, a doll all um nice and clean for you is you'll <laughs> oh. get a doll that has a face up like uh when i originally got tempest uh I actually have a bunch of photos of this. Maybe I should put them on the page when we release this uh, video. Um, you can see her original face uh, when she got here um, and her face after I painted her. Um, of course, this is the current version. There's a lot of history behind that, but this is the current version, which fits with our story today. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which which helps us with our segue that we are trying very hard to make work. Um, to... To um, sort of just lay the groundwork. What is a face-up? A face-up is the paint and artistry that goes into the painted details specifically on the face or head of a ball-jointed doll. Yes. 
And the number one thing we're going to say right now, and we'll probably say again later, is just about everything that goes onto the face of your doll does not contain any oils on it. Or shouldn't, anyway. Yes. Because oils can soak into resin and they can stain them. This also includes your eye putty. Your eye putty should not have any pigment in it because it can also stain the doll. So, the for example, <laughs> that blue, in particular, blue sticky tack, bad yes. plan. Blue dye is particularly virulent. I, there's certain dyes that just by the nature of how pigments work are just super inclined to make trouble. I personally find blues, blacks, purples, anything in those like deep tones with the blue involved tend to be particularly nasty. Um, red can be as well. Yeah. Um, yes. I, th th I was trying to think of a particular um, red dye that I work with at work, but I, I'm blanking on the name. So uh, it's actually called Magnaflux. And it's like, it's, it gets all over everywhere and into everything. It's it's a spot check penetrant that's designed to seep in between the seals of things so you can make sure that things are sealed properly. Oh. But it, like, if I get some on my hand, that's it for three days. Oh, goodness. That's, that's my life. I can't even imagine what would happen with resin. Yeah, because um, the thing about resin, and we mentioned this in the diet, um, what was it? Body Customizing. Customizing yeah. episode, thank you. Um, resin is a porous material. It doesn't look like it. It doesn't feel like it. But it is porous. And it will, like, just the same way that if you put resin into a pot of dye and the dye will soak into the resin because it is porous, it will do that with other things. A particularly yes. oil, oil is just not a good time, oil-based paint, oil-based pastels, anything that has that going on in it, it is not something that should be anywhere near your doll, and it's very important, which is why we're spending a lot of time nailing this home right now. Actually, that reminds <sighs> me. So we have two dyes at work for this purpose. One is the, one is the, uh, spot track penetrate which is more or less an oil base and we use that for things that have tighter seals and then we have the methylene blue which is for water-based things so, <laughs> so red so, and blue <laughs> right so so we can use that to check for larger seals we need the one that's oil based because it doesn't have that surface turgor that um water has mm-hmm so it'll actually seep into something easier. So Oh, I see. So that's why oil's particularly nasty. It wants to get in there. Exactly. And because it doesn't have the, the, the polarness of just water, it's able to get in without the other molecules pushing at it because it's Oh, polar. that's right. Because water getting into like hard science a little bit here, water has a charge. And part of that is why surface tension and things like that happen. Yes, and part of that is why uh, it will not go into resin as easily as an oil, uh, even though they are both liquids, per se. Yes. They're liquid, but not the same. Water is a weird thing in the world, really, in all of its properties. <laughs> yeah, thank God it exists, though. Um, yeah, we need that. We're 90-something percent. Anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> face-ups. We were talking about face-ups. Right. 
Um, right. So we're talking about Tempest and Tempest, um, Tempest being for anyone who is skipping episodes and is new to the podcast here at episode 14, Tempest is Becca's original first longest owned, um, gone through a lot of different changes. Um, Delph leash, like original Delph leash, um, a beautiful ball jointed doll, 60 centimeter tall lady. Yes. That was a long way to say that, but yes. <laughs> I am um, at so, that point of the day. <laughs> uh, so we got through what a face-up is, what you should not use in your face-up. Um, so I- is there anything more to the name of face-up other than it's a portmanteau? It's like, it's basically, there's, we have the phrase makeup, and then you just put face in instead of makeup, and it's face-up, and it just sort of... It's a very straightforward, we're using English words because they're snazzy um, situation as far as <laughs> I understand it. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, so that worked. Uh, let's see. So when I first got my Lish sheet, uh, or Lish, depending on who you ask, I, I don't know, I like the extra E, um, mm-hmm. uh, she came with paint on. So there's a bunch of things you can use to clean a face-up off. In general, you want to use the least powerful first and work up to the most powerful thing. You don't want to just start with the most powerful thing if you're really trying to be careful. Um, Reason being, um, well, take acetone, for instance. If any of you ladies have had acrylic nails, when you go back into the salon to take the nails off, they basically stick your hands in something to soak them off. They're sticking it in acetone. You know how that acrylic nail bends and gets soft and stuff? Yeah, that's your doll. Don't do that. You don't (laughs) want to soak your doll in acetone. But acetone is still a very incredibly useful and one of the most effective ways to clean off the doll's face up to begin with. There's a, we're kind of hitting on, and the moment I'm just sort of suddenly, by the way, becca about this, is there is something of an argument in the dull hobby about acetone and its place in, um, clean, as a yes. cleaning agent because of this exact thing we're talking about. Um, there is a very good thread on Den of Angels that is still around, and if you happen to be a member, I would look for it, because it's really useful to read, from someone who worked with acetone professionally as, like, as a chemicals-based job. And there's nothing in acetone that is going to bubble and scrape and, like, destroy resin in a direct sort of sense. Acetone is safe to use, but it is not safe to soak. And that's That's the most important difference. It's not scary. It's not going to destroy anything. It only will if you use it incorrectly. And the correct way to use acetone is to apply it to a cotton swab or a similar sort of object that is going to be disposed of afterwards. And to use it in a gentle rubbing way. (laughs) Not a soaking way. It is not water. It does not act like water. So, uh, from, from least, um, obtrusive to, to, to most strong, we have soap and water, rubbing alcohol, um, acetone, which is the primary ingredient in nail polish remover, which you may use 
if it doesn't have any additives in it and it's just acetone. And also if it has no particular dyes added to it either. Bingo. Here's, yeah, you don't want dyes. Here, you don't we're going to repeat scents. this so many times. <laughs> no dyes, no scents, just acetone. acetone. I was actually able to pick up some very cheaply at my local CVS, which might not be available to you if you guys are overseas, but there's plenty of them on the Northeast U.S. Um, and I had got just basically pure 100% or 70%, I don't know, acetone, and it was listed as professional nail polish remover. Um, some people also say they use Mr. Was it Mr. Winston brush cleaner? Yeah, um, I have I have beef with that one personally. Yes, I would say if you have to use it, use it sparingly. Uh, the thing is, is that brush cleaner. It's a it is a brush cleaner. Which is called, you have a brush in your hand that you painted things with, and it's chock full, and I'll have to research it, what exact paint is directed at, because depending on what paint you're using, you're using a different cleaner. But a, a brush dedicated cleaner, a brush is made up, has bristles at the end of it that may be synthetic or natural hair. Not only is the cleaner cleaning off and removing things like acrylic paint, from the bristles is conditioning the bristles Got with you. a substance that is intended to help increase the longevity of the bristles of the brush. And as we just said a moment ago, that additives are something you do not want to be, you, you don't want additives or anything oily or anything like that involved. Windsor Newton is not really my favorite thing to use on resin for that very reason. It's doing a lot of, it's a specialized product for working on a specialized thing that is not really related to what we're doing. A lot <laughs> of people I've seen have, I've seen lots of people have very good stories, but like I use Windsor Newton brush cleaner because I'm not afraid of acetone and it works very well for them, but I would be very hesitant personally to actually use it because of all the other additives in it that aren't necessarily helping you with your resin situation. Okay, so at this point, you have your head nice and clean, except for all those very hard reaches to reach places, including the corners of the mouth, the inside of the mouth, the corners of the eyes, and in the ears. Here's what you do. Um... Number one, you might be able to get at it with um, one of those little pointy cotton swabs, um, but those are kind of expensive, so that's not what I do. <laughs> I buy some of the cheaper style toothpicks, the kind you can probably get for like 50 cents for a box. You're going to take those and you're going to soak that in the acetone. So it's like a Q-tip in a way because it soaks it in there. It definitely... The, the, the wood is going to take in that substance and turn soft. Yes. So it's going to be softer than your resin, so it's not going to scratch at it. So you soak that for a little bit. I don't know, maybe a minute, two minutes, something like that. And then you get into those little areas and try to get it. Um, so that'll help you out a lot. Um, some things, other things you could do if you need, you can... With a, if you're working on things, the stubborn areas, like the corners of the mouth and stuff, this is where the time where I soak like a little bit. So like I'll quite literally get that toothpick 
and almost like making um, cotton candy, I'll roll a little bit of cotton around the end of it and I'll put that in and then I'll just put that on the, the corner of the eye for, I don't know, maybe like two minutes and then I'll take it off and then I'll try to push at the uh, pigment and the paint with the corner of a, the wooden toothpick. Um, when you get right down to the nitty gritty, if there's only a little, little big pigment left, you can carefully scrape it off with the tip of a hobby knife or a pin or something. But this be careful is, you don't yeah, want to scratch. <laughs> um, um, one thing um, I would like to emphasize is we're talking about using acetone in a very specific tiny little place for a very limited amount of time. Yes. A little bit of time but a limited amount of time. And while we're doing the cleaning process, if you haven't already occurred to you, this is happening with the head completely removed from the body. No wigs are around. The eyes have been completely removed. The eye putty has been completely removed from inside. So and all your handling is... All, yeah. And eyelashes are typically um, ad added to, at the end of a face-up process, if you're not familiar with it, with um, Elmer's glue or similar white PVC glue, which means water... PVA. PVA. Thank you. Yes. Um, so a little bit of water and a little bit of tugging will take the eyelashes off. And you want you want all the extraneous stuff removed from the situation before you really get down with using scrubbing with water and acetone and other things like that. And I just used the word scrubbing, but at no point in this process should you be using elbow grease. No. No. I mean, because the... And the areas like the cheeks and everything else, especially where there's only a small amount of pigments, probably just maybe on the second pass with a light wipe of the acetone, you'll be good. Um, it's a less is more situation. You want to work slowly in stages with as little product as possible at every stage. So yes. instead of trying to get it all off in one go, you want to have like a certain amount of cleaner in, at hand and sort of rub through and take the first layer off. And if there's some pigment and stuff left behind, change, um, change cotton swabs, change cotton pieces, get a wait, let the acetone evaporate. Acetone evaporates very quickly, which is part of the bonus of using pure acetone it evaporates super quick and just and then let it sort of sit for a moment and then go back it's slow and steady not fast and hard yes and uh another point to make is on the very very inner parts like the inner parts of the eyes the inner parts of the lip and the inner parts of the ear odds are is that you're gonna be putting some pigment there anyway <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah so don't go too crazy unless the pigment color is too, too darn far out from the look that you're going for. Um, for example, I have a great example of this kind yeah. of situation. Um, the first? No, he was the second. The story, someday we'll go into the story of how I ended up with my two Delph, um, not moons, but actually the moon with pointy ears. Um, let's, boys. Make that, let's make that next month's episode let's i was talking about our collection other. maybe interview yeah, each other about our collection that actually sounds like a good time that'll be fun um, that'll be fun and nice and chill while, while you're having a particularly busy month oh, um, God, but yes. um anyway the second one uh, uh came with a face up on and body blushing in blue tones because that had been the image of the previous owner 
And it is not the image I personally am going for. So Becca graciously came over and we had a great cleaning extravaganza with him. And I think you had someone you had to clean up as well. So we both had a nice cleaning acetone party. And (laughs) And it's like... The blue is really, like, is going for this, like, cold look. Didn't do it for me. Went and sat and cleaned it. There's a little bit of blue still left in here and there, but in such mild doses. And I'm like, you know what? I'll work it into whatever feature face-up you have. It'll almost be, like, you know, incorporating a little bit of the old self into a new self kind of thing. Yes. And and it and it worked out. He has a, he has a temporary face-up that... You know, he has a face. Um, So it it has been good. Um, In an interesting way, Becca, it suddenly occurs to me to go on a brief side journey. Um, We have at this point both emergency given each other face-ups. Yeah, yes, yes, we have. (laughs) I just suddenly, I just suddenly realized it. Like, oh, we have done this for each other. Yes, and... And of my dolls that I have, I own, uh, which is what, one, two, what's five of them? Um, if you don't count the little dolphies, which I painted both of those, um, by which I mean that the actual little, almost fashion doll size ones with ABS plastic and vinyl heads, um, I've ha- painted, let's see, one, two, three of mine. Um, that's kind of fun. And you've done more than I have, I've only really personally gone at yours once um yeah. just mostly it's because fun. i don't have ms i don't have a uh, i don't have a good spray but we're gonna get here i'm getting ahead of ourselves right now well, <laughs> well you know maybe we're not so let's assume we actually cleaned it all off and now we're starting to well spray it i think the first thing <laughs> um in the in this bridging period between now I have cleaned this object and now I want to put things back on this object there really should be this middle stage where you want to make sure that any trace or residue of oil on your hands of dust in the air of any sl- residue of cleaning agent or of any pigment that has not that is not going to leave the resin surface is completely cleaned away because all of these things will make you very upset and sad in the next stage. So what, I, what I've what i done, and I think sometimes, if you have the time to do it, you wash it down with water and a little bit, very, very small amount of um, dish soap, if you have yes. the time. You want an oil cutting soap. Um, yeah, because your hand oils in particular are a problem. Um, because if you don't have it clean clean at this stage i think i might have mentioned this on another podcast but um you can have what's called like a chip come off of your face up so like everything right down to this first layer will chip right off in one larger piece leaving um a little bit of a color difference which doesn't look good no um and that chipping is occurring because a little piece of dust or skin oil clung to that little section and all the things you're about to do instead of clinging to resin clung to that yes which then didn't have a latch onto the resin and then just went oh I have, i'm leaving I had some physics hit me <laughs> i'm just gonna pop off here oh um hello friction from air movement i'm gonna goodbye bye-bye 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 yeah. and then you have to start That's over because it. i'm face ups are finicky so long yeah um but once you've done that and then dried it very thoroughly, 
preferably perhaps air drying in a controlled space without dust if you can, um, because then you're not leaving things from towels on it or using a paper. Like, you want it very, you want it bone dry, as they say. Yes, and um, after this point, you should handle it either with hands that are just, just washed or even better, um, if you want to be really careful, you can get some uh, gloves from your local hardware store uh, to wear while you're using them. Some people We're use cotton about, gloves. Like, yeah, cotton gloves. Um, people will do sell them in like large boxes. Cotton gloves designed for working with delicate objects or um, things like that. Yeah. Um, some people use don't cotton, like the cotton gloves ones all the time. as much because I feel they don't give as much tactile feedback. And yeah. I, I like to feel things as I'm using my brushes and stuff. So yeah. um, sometimes I just wash my hands really well and I go with that and I don't touch anything. Um, other times I, um, which, you know, your hands still sweat. So not the best, best thing, but, you know, I'm, I'm an amateur. Um, <laughs> you can always use a nitrile glove um, and that'll be fine too. And they come in different yeah. sizes. You want to find the ones that aren't powdered on the inside um, because you don't want to put it, be putting on your glove and have the powder go all over the head you just yeah. cleaned. But once you've got your hands settled and everything is clean and dry and in particular you're probably working hopefully in a room that with good ventilation in it because or you outside. may be outside or outside though outside does have wind but we are probably going to step outside and put on respirators because there is a stage that must happen first. Yes, this is where we give the pigments we're going to put on our doll some tooth, some texture to cling on to. We're also protecting the resin from any stray pigments or maybe unexpected strong pigments in what we're going to put on it. Yes, and this is our clear coating phase. There's so, lots of different materials to use for this. Now, the one that the community has um, sworn by for a long, long, long time is Mooster. Eh, Mister. Mooster. I love Mooster Super Cleary, Cleario. <laughs> what? Mooster Super Clear. Okay. Mr. Super Clear Matt. You want it M A T T E. You want it matte because if you get it gloss or high gloss, would you shush, 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 shush. Sorry, I've got the giggles. Oh, no. Okay, so Mr. Super Clear Matte. You want it matte texture because otherwise it's not going to have the tooth that's going to grip your pigments. Also, unless you're going for a shiny, shiny robot face, um, that's not what you want. And you're not going to have no. any... <laughs> Even if you're going for a shiny robot face, you're going to want to do that on the last coat because before that coat, you want all the texture to pick up all the pigments that you're trying to put onto it. There are other options to Mr. Super Clear because Mr. Super Clear is also a varnish and inhaling varnishes is bad. Now, the ones I've used recently and I've actually enjoyed it a lot is this Volks UV Protect stuff that they have on their website. Um, this is also, by the way, a varnish. Breathing it in is bad. <laughs> but I, I like that it has the UV Protect, and it gives me yes. an amount of tooth that I do find um, good. So so I like that a lot. Um, finally, uh, 
what a lot of people use, but I've heard can dry and have a weird or tacky texture sometimes. We'll get into that in a moment and reasons that can happen is Tester's Dull Coat. This is also a varnish. Don't breathe it in. Is there any options that aren't varnishes? In fact, um, uh, recently, if you go around and look at people like, um, to mention an individual who I know very, very high profile does not use MSC anymore, is Andrea from uh, Nicole's Dreams, who is oh, a yes. very well-known face-up artist who nowadays doesn't really do commissions anymore, but she still does a lot of personal dolls and does a lot of tutorials on YouTube. What she does and what several people in the community have been um, doing careful experiments with is taking a water-based matte um, sealant for intended for acrylic paint and acrylic painting and watering it down to a skin milk consistency and using it with an airbrush. The upsides to using this particular device is that you are not using propellant which is inside the three canned substances that we just mentioned. Um, it is not a varnish in the same way that the cans, these cans are. It is water-based, which is more environmentally friendly. The other things are use alcohol as their, um, a form of alcohol as their form of, uh, what's the thing when you, substance, you dissolve a thing into. <laughs> a solution? Yes. As a solution, it's using different chemicals, um, also propellants, and it's not quite as nasty because it is water-based. And being used with an airbrush, there's also other reasons why you don't use things with propellants. But Andrea has used it to great effect, and I know she's not the only one. The problem here is it does require you to have some skill with an airbrush or owning a device of airbrush, which is more expensive in a startup way than buying a $50, $25 can of varnish. Uh, but it does work very well, and you do have to wait longer between coats for to mm. spray on the next coat. For example, with MSC, you spray it, spray and pray a little bit, depending on the situation, outside with a respirator on. Pause yes. for significant effect. Um, and, but it's like a few minutes before you can, it's, you can pretty much t test, trust it to be dry. It's fairly yeah. quick in that sense. But the other thing, because it's water-based, not propellant, alcohol, quick evaporating crap stuff, not crap, just stuff. Um, <laughs> I'm very tired. I know. Uh, the, um, because it's water-based, the water has to evaporate to leave behind the sealant, and apparently it leaves behind a beautiful tooth. But it's up to you, your situation, and by the way, don't breathe in varnish. Use a respirator. <laughs> yes. Now, um, there was a few things uh, I'll address in there. Yes. There are some... Um, as you're going around, and if you're a more amateur face-up artist, there's some benefits to putting varnish on in between your layers, which I'll talk about a little later. Oh, um, that's right. I know now. I've yes. read that in the book, friends. <laughs> uh, the other point to make is weather affects your coats. If it's too humid or if it's too cold, you'll get spotting on it. 
Um, and why is Asfari happening, Becca? Uh, the, I would I think that it's just not forming a fine mist aerosol. So when it's actually hitting the mm. head, it's hitting in bigger globlets. Yeah, I think essentially um, the solution that is carrying the varnish, like, is no longer is not as fluid because a warm fluid can hold typically more dissolved thing than a cold yes. one. Yes, that so is true. So when it's being sprayed in a cold environment, you're getting that problem, and yeah. it's it's not so great and then in a humid environment there's so much moisture in the air it's messing with the proportions is what I think is happening yeah it's trying to dry and stick to the head but there's already moisture sticking to the head yeah <laughs> so it doesn't work super great um, so that being said if it's a nice warm day in fact if it's a little over warm you'll notice those coats dry hella fast you'll be like wow this is going so fast awesome um it makes life a lot easier. Uh, so so that's why a lot of times on forums and things like that, you'll see everybody gets into a face-up frenzy during summer. Uh, <laughs> it's just <laughs> more convenient. Oh, gosh. And also, like, there's several good, um, very talented face-up artists who take commission down in Australia. And Australia doesn't really have summer and winter. They have the dry season and the rainy season and rainy season bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so you so need to put down this stage. Yes, but I will say, do not coat your doll head once before painting. Coat it about two to three times. I would say before you want painting. a good foundation to have a lot of tooth to pick up everything. And try to hit all the spots, every angle. Turn it around in your hand. Um, wear pants and a shirt that you don't mind getting varnish on. Because <laughs> um, a great feel example a of by the time you're done. You want to do this. You also do not want to spray inside if you can help it. If you are spraying inside, you want to be spraying inside a dedicated box or something. Because no matter how little breeze you think you have, no matter how controlled you think the situation is, with any kind of spray paint or anything else, it is going further and farther into a space than you think it is. And oh, you're yes. going to turn around and you'll touch a beloved plush that is sitting, but five feet away. You thought it was safe. You will touch it and it will be glossy and it will not be nice. Yeah, ew. Um, yes. Okay, so now we're ready for paint. <laughs> All right, um, Becca, we're ready for paint. Things just I, got more difficult and yet easy at the same time. So I actually don't usually start with the paint because of the way I do my details. So I usually do all my, like, skin tone kind of blushing first. And with... that's using pastel typically for you. Yes, chalk pastels uh, to be specific. Um, let, let us repeat. Oil bad. Repeat along with us. Oil bad. Oil, oil not bad. good. Oil, oil bad. Oil bad. Okay. Chalk okay. Uh, <laughs> yes, yes. So chalk pastels um, will have a decent amount of pigment in there. And uh, you can even use a, a paintbrush or even a makeup brush that you haven't used for makeup. Like a, a, a new one um, for, for this. 
and you just want to brush it on there. You don't want to rub it in because that'll cause like a streaking effect, almost like pushing it against the paper and smearing it. You just kind of want to gently brush it on and see how much the tooth of your sealant will hold it on there. And this is another gonna... edition of slow and steady, not hard and fast. Yeah, because the then you the get smearies. And I, I, I yeah. tried, I, I did have a school D head that I was trying several times with. And it took me a while, three or four times with that to kind of figure out that technique. You don't want to push it in. You want to use as little as possible. Uh, and there I is going to be a point. Pastels, I use a little bit of sandpaper and I actually rub the chalk pastel on the sandpaper. Uh, this is actually something that I believe Mikey taught me in a, a class in 2008 at a doll pop. Uh, then you pick a little bit up, like just like you're going to do eyeshadow, and you just lightly brush it on. Now, if you feel like you can't get any more pigment on, you can't get it to blend right, etc., it's time to go and seal it. There is going to be a point of um, maximum saturation. You yes. will have reached the most amount of pigment possible that will cling to the slightly rough surface that you've created. And trying to add any more here or trying to like just pile on pigment at this point in an attempt to make the color stronger or deeper is not going to result into the delicately shaded effect that you want. It just will not take any more pigment without creating very harsh lines. And even then it won't take more pigment. Yes. Um, some people, as an aside, we're talking about pastels doing the face blushing. There's a lot of people who have written a lot of really good things about what colors to use and how to use them. Some people use pastels and swear by them at this stage. Some people use airbrushing because they prefer the look of paint and airbrush. Doesn't matter for you personally if you're, when you're working on your own things. Use whichever you're most comfortable with. But airbrush is an option that requires skill and practice. Yes, and investment. Because um, uh, if you're going to get an airbrush or get into airbrushing, and this is as much as I'll go into this because I started researching it, but I don't have that much personal experience with it, you can't cheap out on your compressor. That's the part that matters the most, really. Because you want nice, steady, steady air so it's your your airbrush doesn't all of a sudden sneeze on your doll. <laughs> That's a good way to to put it. Um, it's hard yes. to take in air and keep a consistent pressure and have it come out the other end unless you're working on fairly large scale vacuum pump things. And we're not looking for a large scale, but it's like the the sneeze the sneeze the acrylic sneeze is just it's not a good time. You don't want it. No one no. wants it. No, no. Keep that under no. a tissue. Um, yes. <laughs> so, uh, this is how I work. So I start with there. And of course, I get the ears, the chin, the nose, if you want your nose a little rosy, um, the eyes, around the eyes. And I might put a little bit of pigment in where the eyebrows are, sometimes the forehead, um, you know. Cheeks, if you're going to have a rosy, happy little girl, um, just follow, follow your nose, follow, <laughs> follow <laughs> images, definitely collect images for what you're looking for and the feeling you want. And you'll be able to kind of, kind of draw your own recipe, uh, before you start, which will guide you. Now, after I get all the 
chalk uh, pastels where I want, and I seal that. Um, then I can start to work on the paint. Now here's the fun thing about this being a varnish. The varnish is not water soluble. So every time you put down a layer with your water soluble um, uh, components and pigments and paints, if you don't like what you did on that layer, you take a wet cloth and you wipe it off. And it goes away like magic and everything underneath stays the same because it is varnished. Varnish doesn't care about water. It just stays around. <laughs> so so that's like a the great button. thing about that. Um, <laughs> so this particularly comes into play with the eyebrows and the eyelashes. I found I, after I got the hang of blushing the things, um, putting the, the pastels on, I found the more, more of times I was erasing the eyebrows and the eyelashes. The eyebrows are where a lot of the character lives, I think, in a face-up. Because to a certain extent with a sculpt, we have to, we kind of like have what we have in the shape of the nose, un unless we decide to change it. And we kind of have what we have in a little bit of the expression, though there is a lot you can do to change widely what kind of expression the same sculpt has from person to person. Um, because if you are a person who has experience with makeup at all, you know the power of adding shadow to something and adding highlight to something to bring forward something and push back something. But eyebrows are like so much of character lives there and you want them to be fairly symmetrical and you're like, symmetrical eyebrows, I can draw two lines the same shape, not on a curved forehead, you can't. <laughs> Yeah, it's real yeah. hard. It's hard. So, so here are some things that might make it easier for you. They create tape-like stencils you can buy for your ball-jointed dolls. But you can actually tape onto your doll, then kind of paint your outline either with like maybe chalk pastel, maybe a watercolor pencil or something to draw in, and then take the stencil off and finish off your eyebrow how you will. Um... The method I use, which is a little bit more freehand, but still kind of nice, um, is they have this on the, the Volks website because, once again, I took that class, so I kind of got a lot of my basic skills from that uh, that Dalpa class with Mikey. Um, they have this water-soluble pen that comes off super easy with water. So you actually draw the shape of your eyebrow. You wait for that pen to dry a little, you draw the shape of your other eyebrow, and from there you can kind of see if it's matching or not matching. And if you don't like it, you just take a little wet Q-tip and you just go bloop, and you take it off. <laughs> <laughs> um, unfortunately, you'll have to supply your own sound effect. Yes, um, yes. It's um, not quite so as satisfying as when Becca try, does it. But. So you take this little water-soluble marker thing and you do this several times until you get the two sides right. Now... Now we get into painting the eyebrows. Eyebrows and eyelashes. What every single person I have ever seen, the, the, the first question they ask after they attempt their first face-up is, how do you get the paint lines so thin? I'm, do you use a thinner brush? And the actual answer is no. <laughs> Which this uh, is a little counter to some of the things you might see other face-up artists talk about. And, like, 
whatever works for you and materials works for you. But for me, this was eye-opening when Becca told me this. <laughs> yes. The ha-ha eye-opening dolls eye-opens. Yeah, it's a joke. Ha-ha. So the key isn't... <laughs> um, the key isn't the size of your brush. It's a two-fold key. Number one key is the consistency of your paint. And key number two is the pressure on your brush. So to make lines very, very thin, you need it to be the consistency of something that makes lines very, very thin, which is to say an almost ink-like consistency. A little thinner, actually, uh, for me. To make a paint thin out this much and I still have enough pigment to paint, it needs to be a highly pigmented paint. That means Once a again, good paint. Yeah, it needs to be a good paint. Um, once again, this is the method I learned, so there might be another method to do it with a different type of paint. What I use is the Zuke Mora paints, because once again, they taught me and I bought the startup kit, and it's a really highly pigmented paint. I'm able to thin it out, and it works quite well. I found that actually the Warhammer paints are also pretty nicely pigmented, because people use those often for things like washes and things like that. Uh, for the miniatures, and they're decently pigmented. I like the Zuke more a little bit more because the paint dries a little less fast, which is nice, um, and it has more of the colors that I want, and uh, several things like that. It just treats me nicer. Um, there's several tutorials online as well talking about the the consistency of paint. Um, I know looking around, if you use these search terms, you look around YouTube a little bit, there are some people who show really beautifully exactly what we're talking about, about paint consistency. So you can really see what's being talked about because it's one of those, it's hard to explain it without seeing it or trying it yourself. Yes. But it's the and same idea as earlier. It's not hard and fast. It's slow and steady and soft. Delicate, semi trans lines built up over time will become yes. a much better end result than trying to make a really pigmented stroke or line in the initial stage of whatever you're doing. Yes. So, um, now that, so you load your, um, brush with not a lot of paint, just enough to start kind of having it come out the tip. And from here, you don't go to your doll yet. From here, you go to a palette, a piece of paper, something something you can test this on. The back of the head cap, the inside of the head cap, something you can wipe off later. Um, once again, I have Volks and they have these paper palettes that I use. Um, and you just sit there and you practice making lines until you get the line consistency that you want for your eyelash or your eyebrow. All right. Now, back to the eyebrow. So we have these lines that will come off very, very easily with just some water. And you now have your paint um, paintbrush ready with paint in it to go there. Stop and look at a mirror. <laughs> Depending on what you want stylistically, you might do a little different than this. But check out your eyebrow in the mirror. All the hairs on your eyebrow don't grow in the same direction. 
right where your eye, eyebrow kind of burrows, like above the, the inner corner of your eye, it kind of goes up. It starts to head towards the outside of your head. Then somewhere in the middle, you start to have eyebrows that are growing from the top of your eyebrow down. Then by the time you get to the edges of your eyebrows towards the outside corners of your eyes, it is growing from the middle of your head outwards towards the edge. If you're going to draw an eyebrow and it's going to be a manly eyebrow, a bushy eyebrow, something less <laughs> stylized than, you know, Dolphy Dream, you want to keep this eyebrow, what, do you, what would you call it, flow in mind? Well, um, it's like, um, it's, if you're going for the delicate brow that isn't the super anime style line that's like a filled in shade, you want to... The, the directionality of the line, the rhythm of the lines in the brow, will really help you make the right shape. Yes. Okay. Now you've studied how eyebrows work. You know what kind of shape of eyebrow you want. You know which direction you're drawing your hairs. And you have your doll with your water-soluble line pen drawn onto the face. Now you're ready. Start with a color that's a little lighter than what you're going for. And you're going to draw your first kind of guidelines. They can be a little more spaced out than your final lines on top of that eyebrow line. Now, this is what's going to be your guide in a second. So make sure you're kind of right and you can adjust the thickness of the lines as you go. Um, by which I mean uh, the, the length of the eyebrow lines here. And then once you've done that on both sides and the, uh, the watered down ink-like consistency paint takes a little longer to dry um so just wait a little bit okay now <laughs> now that it's dry you'll take your once again wet q-tip and rub over that section the brown water soluble marker goes away and you're left with your guidelines that you just painted from here i usually do about two or three shades more just for the fun of it to make it kind of seem full and interesting. So I do one shade a little darker, adding a little bit more pigment in, paint, 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 little lines. Uh, then I'll go to my final shade and I'll paint the final lines over the top. Um, and that's how I do my eyebrows. Um, eyelashes uh, are a little different because you don't need guidelines or anything and you usually do them a little darker. Um, Typically in Asian ball-jointed dolls, you only paint the lower lashes and not the upper lashes because the upper, upper lashes are usually applied. Um, There's also a lot going on on the upper lid more normally than the bottom. Like you have, there's like color and shading and uh, things yes. happening. And sometimes adding the lashes over that makes it too busy as opposed to like just filling in the edge with a bit of a darker line to indicate like where the lash line would be, which is a style mm -hmm. that I also like, but you are free to see what it looks like. Remember you have the varnish on there. You have your magic erasing water. You can try things and see how they look. So, um, Usually before I go and paint the eyelashes, I'll take the, the color that I want for the inside of my eyelids. Um, some people paint the upper inside of the upper eyelid completely dark. Um, some people do uh, black and just do the edge, either uh, a black or a dark brown or whatever 
color their, their eyelash is going to be. Um, and they do it that way. Um, whatever you're feeling, look at pictures, see what you feel like. Um, on Tempest, since I'm looking at her, because she's my inspiration for this episode, because she's what I did, uh, it looks like I did all brown on the top one. Uh, benefit to that, since you're actually gluing the lashes in there and it overlaps that part, is you can't see the difference between the inner eyelid and the lashes, so they just kind of seem to come out from there. And then on the lower eye, uh, eyelid, I did pink on the edge. Uh, well, basically pink for the eyelid edge. And then on the very outer edge, right where your eyelashes would attach, I did a line of brown, which then I painted from that line of brown right on the edge, the eyelashes coming out on the lower eyelids. Um, and once again, you're just going to do the same thing, putting the pigment on the brush, get to ink-like consistency, play with it on your palette until you get the right line size, and then start drawing your eyelashes. And if they look funny or if they don't match like right to left, which Tempest's 100% don't match right to left, but that's okay because they're, they're kind of close-ish and her wig covers one side of her face most of the time, um, <laughs> then just erase it with some water. Um, and that, at that point, uh, unless you want to add some lip lines, um, you're pretty much good to go for your final seal session. Um, so once again, bring it outside or wherever your ventilated area is. Seal, 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 seal. Put on Two. your respirator. Once again, here, before we might have been doing like maybe one layer of seal in between. We're back to doing this last one where we want two to three layers, definitely, at minimum, um, to cover this. It, keep in mind, um, slower is better. More layers gives a more graduated effect to the um, to the pigments rather than a smeary one. But more uh, sealants aren't completely without color, even though it's called Mr. Super Clear, MSC. Um, well, think about enough... how varnish is. Like, if you have a piece of furniture that has a varnish on it, and as time passes, not only does the varnish change color, usually towards a yellow, but it does have a tint to it on top of everything else that's going on. It's unavoidable because you are adding in substance over onto the thing, and any substance, even if it's so, if it's translucent, is light will hit it and refract a little bit. There's always going to be a slight cast. Yes, yeah, so don't be scared when your head doesn't quite match your body when it goes back on. That's just because it's slightly different now because you added stuff to the top of the resin. Yeah. Um, so no panicking. And um, all of this is if you want to take on the challenge of doing the face up on your own which is really exciting and a way to really per like make unique onto uniqueness the yes. object that you've invested yourself in. And we've talked a lot of times about how we invest ourselves, our images, our imaginations into in a unique way into the ball-jointed doll because of the way it allows us to do that. And there's nothing more personalized than painting on the face exactly as you, like, even if it's not exactly the end point that you want, because the first time you do anything, it's not going to be perfect. The first time you go swimming was a, a coughing, struggling experience. The first yes. time you, if you do anything, 
is a learning experience. And the second time, you'll know a little bit more. And the third time, you know a bit more. The first time you do this, it's not going to go the way you want. And perfection is impossible. And that is yeah. okay. Yes. But the more times you do it, what is great about the way face-ups are, the way we're talking about them, is while we would like them to last forever when they're very good, they're very transient things. It's varnish that can be rubbed off with acetone. These things chip, they get old, they may smudge over time depending on how you handle the doll, but it's removable. And that is a freeing thing because if the first time you do this, it doesn't quite turn out the way you want and you're like, mm, I'll live with this for a little while and you want to change it later, you can. And you can always change any face up on these dolls because of the way of the materials we're using with the resin. Yes. Even a doll um, from another person may not have the face-up you want. You can change it. And that ability to change it and allow... if Especially if it's like, say, imagine, and this is me getting a little romanticism here. Your first doll, and it's like your first year and the first face-up. And every two years you get restless and you change the face-up. And then the image of the doll grows with you. Like, that's yes. an amazingly yeah. romantic idea but it's i think part of the charm of this part of it because a lot of people i i I feel like people who aren't don't relate to this hobby as well as some others go but why would you pay money for something that doesn't last and isn't permanent yeah and i mean that being said things can be permanent but you just have to understand it's gonna yellow a little (laughs) yeah um there's there's no change is inevitable and that's part of the beauty of it, is that you can take and remake and redo. Yes, endlessly. I will have to say, um, particularly with white uh, resin, your face-up might be fine, but your resin of your doll might have its color change. So all the colors that you picked out on your nice blank palette might look a lot different once your resin looks more yellow. At which and point, then... your face-up might still have a few more years in it, but it doesn't you might want to repaint it just to get the colors driving again. Yeah. And there's a few... Um, I've seen conversation about, like, especially if you're in the second-hand market, for example, and you receive a doll from somebody, is it okay to redo the face? Is it okay to change their image? Because that person that you're taking it from, depending on who they are and their relationship with the object, may have really put a lot of themselves into it. And it's yours now. Yeah, so I got Orion secondhand, a wonderful deal, um, has a face-up by Illness Illusion. Um, Who, if you don't know that name, is like, she, Illness Illusion is like a piece of history. Yes, at this point, yes. She doesn't do... I don't know how much she does the face-ups anymore. She might still do some, but um, she was one of the premier, like, this is one of the people you want to go to if you want the top-notch face-up at the time. When I joined into the hobby circa 2008. Um, Really really lovely, dramatic, J-Rock-inspired style. Yeah, so... I was planning on repainting this doll and then and I I was pretty much ready to do it and then I looked at the head on her website with the eyes she had on it and I'm like oh it's too pretty I can't do it 
Because <laughs> it's a piece of art at that point. And, like, you going, oh, I can't do it, is okay. Yeah, but if you were I'm someone else who had a very strong vision for him and said, you know what? There's new history now. Like, you're allowed yeah. to do that. It's not yeah. disrespectful. And some people like to incorporate a little bit of the previous personality or face-up into the new one. And there's a lot of different ways to navigate what may be emotionally fraught. <laughs> Felix's pe- previous name was Jack. And uh, as you may know, um, a lot of mythology involving changelings involves them having a name and a true name. So I had his true name be Jack. <laughs> So I kept that little bit of his lore with him, which I thought, I don't know, it just seemed right. Seemed right. Um, like, you do what feels right to you. Um, don't get too worried about it, because I yes. want you to encourage anyone who's listening, especially because this is one of our very, like, and a beginner, beginners, I don't know what's going on, what is a face-up, what is happening kind of episode. Is <laughs> like, you're allowed to reclaim this and to put yourself now into them. I think any owner, well, they may be sad to see a character that they really deeply invested in gone. They're selling it because, for a lot of reasons sometimes, but you're allowed to. Now take this new thing and make it new. And to bring new life into it. And one of the decisions that might be one you have to make is, am I going to send this head off that I may have tried very hard to receive to some other talented person to paint for me? And there's a few, I feel like, the community knows the rules, but they're not written anywhere about commissioning face-ups and expectations and um, what you need to look for and what to be wary of and what to expect from it. Just like shopping on Amazon, look at feedback. You'll be fine. (laughs) (laughs) That's really the long and the short of it. Um, What you really want to see is someone who has any feedback at all. Um, if it's someone in your local hometown or in your local doll group who's, you can see what they've done in person, you know where they live, um, it's handing over a blank head to them. And usually it is a courtesy and or a request with a commissioner. Step one, please clean your head before you send it. It is an intensive process. It, even if they don't require it of you, it is simply polite to make their lives easier. But, um, at least in my opinion. <laughs> yes. And cleaning all head well, if you have to ship it out and ensure it, please possibly signature on arrival, um, pay the extra money. You'll be happy you did just in case, um, when paying for services, uh, on PayPal or other things, always request a receipt and never pay as a gift. Because PayPal will not cover your ass like that. Um, Basically, what we're kind of talking around is that sometimes there is always the the stories and the realities in the community of money paid for a thing, a thing being sent, and never seeing it again. And that is like the nightmare. That is the nightmare, in especially in secondhand or working with other hobbyists, if you don't know them personally, is what if I mail this head to Australia... And it never comes back. Um, You don't want it to be a one-way trip. And the best way to do is everything Becca just told you to do. Basically. All right, Lindsay, are you ready for the last finishing touches on our doll? I don't know, Becca. 
I have to edit this, so I guess I am. <laughs> okay. Guys, I'm um, I'm a little scared, I will admit, but hopefully I will live up to Becca's legacy here. Now, now some people have trouble um, doing that paintbrush thing and everything for the thin lines. Uh, an alternative for you would be to use watercolor pencils. Um, Farber Castells, I believe the word is. Yes, Farber Castell. Um, yeah. has watercolor pencils in every color under the sun um, that if you sharpen to a very, very fine point, um, you can draw on the doll uh, just like with a pencil and you might have a better time with that. And it doesn't have wax in it because it's a watercolor one. So wax can be iffy. Um, it's up yes. to you if you want to go into wax. You do have a layer in the doll coat, a varnish coating protecting the doll. But yes, it is probably. up to you. It It's not oil. Don't. Right. Remember, don't use anything with oil and always use a respirator with things with varnish. Yes. <laughs> but, and, um, and um, the watercolor pencils might have a little bit of wax in them because they have to have something to, have to keep have some, it all together. Yeah, to but, like hold the pigment. But because but it is water-based, it's less nasty. Yeah. Yes. Um, so, so that's another option. So now we're all sealed up. And, or uh, you've mailed it off and you've waited patiently. Um, just if you've never really looked at the times, it takes months if you're going to send off a head to a hobbyist. This is their hobby too. Even though they may be acting as professionals, they have lives. These things take a long time. Expect okay. it to take a long time. Breathe deep. Calming meditative exercises. Just so you've like how gone long it the... is that Lin- it's taking for Lindsay to let me talk about the final step of painting a doll head. I know, but I just want to make sure that, because there's, like, so much about commissioning that people don't outright say, but, like, either you've painted it yourself and sent it away, or maybe you sent it to someone else to do it, and they're doing it for you. Yes. So, final step of painting a doll. Now you break out the gloss. I use a Tamiya gloss, which I think is technically, um, what is it, a varnish as well, I think. Anything is that is transparent and has, like, go, like you can, like, tap it and is hard after is pretty much going to be a type of varnish, I think. Yes. So, uh, make sure to clear your clean your brushes very quickly after that. Never let anything dry on your brushes because then you'll need new brushes. It's hard to clean them all out. That's a good point to make. Um, then you'll apply this to the inside of the eyelid, so that inside edge. If you're fancy and you're doing a pretty, pretty lady, you might even do the top of the eyelid if she has some sparkly eyeshadow on or something. Um, People have taken um, shimmer powders and added it to this on the final layer. And they have used it on the eyelids and on the lips for ladies. If you're painting a boy or somebody that's more masculine, you may want to choose to leave the lips in a matte um, textured Um, finish rather than the glossy. I think on Tempest I actually kind of just did halfway to the lip almost like her her lips are partly parted so I kind of tried to do it to the part where the lip on the inside would be like that part of your lip that's still wet and then went to a more matte texture as it went further out. So there's actually a line, a transparent line but a line that I know exists that's there. <laughs> and like or you can be like you know what I don't care you can do whatever you want with the gloss really yes but anywhere yes, so there's like I'll... moisture typically on the face can add a really nice dimension and highlight 
Yes. Um, speaking of dimension, that's one of the cool things about lip lines. Once again, watercolor pencils or uh, acrylic paints will work just fine here. Um, when you paint them in, um, they can be done underneath your pigments on the lips or they can be done on the top. I find it's kind of cool to do it underneath the pigment because what happens is if you do it on, in an acrylic that isn't watered down that much, you actually create a textured lip. Um, it's very subtle, but if you're zooming in on it, you you see that you actually create, like the paint sits a little higher and you created a textured lip. Um, then of oh, course, so I cool. usually put some other paint that's close to the pigment, a little lighter or a little darker on top before getting to that final um, seal. Ah. Okay. So cool. Now I'm done talking about painting the doll. <laughs> <sighs> and if you're very, very lucky, you'll have in your hands like sort of the centerpiece of the personality of the doll. Yes. Um, quite memorably, uh, I think I mentioned this in one of our early episodes. I was very, very nervous painting Tempest for the first time because that was the first time I was painting her, which is one of my little flagship kind of dolls. But once I had her all painted and in her clothes and on her body, I looked at her and I cried. So, oh, babe. <laughs> babe. <laughs> It was that good. It was like the sense of relief and overwhelming, like, I did it. It's here. She's here. She's back. It's okay. Everything's good now. <laughs> yeah, so. the face-up is, like, so... I think more than any other part of the process, like, modifications or whatever. Like, even as human beings, we focus so much on the face. Like, just intrinsically. Because that is where expression lives. That is where speech lives. That is where a lot of our unspoken communications and the spoken communication lives. And it's how we identify people so strongly. It's like, you look like this. This is your face. Is the face really can bring out in ways that you don't even expect the real personality of whatever it is you're making. Or even like within a, many sculpts look can look very bland without a face up on, but with the right person doing the right kind of face-up, you can see all of the hidden details and sort of beautiful expression. Like, there's like two sides to what a face-up does for you, really. And I love how you can have ten lish, or lishies all in a row, and they all look so, so, so different just because of how they were painting, painted. It's amazing how much oh, yeah. personality can just come in the painting. Um, and it really is what makes the hobby really fun is making your own little piece of art. Um, yeah, I think that's so like I a highly true suggest, key there. Um, if you can hold a paintbrush, if you can wait for paint to dry, um, and if you can afford the supplies and the time, buy a dummy head, even a vinyl head, um, vinyls not much different actually and try it just try it might not go the way you want the first time but it's such an experience to do it's a fun thing to do let alone anything else 
and you'll gain an appreciation for the dolls you have or the dolls that you're looking at and the face-ups that they have. Oh, goodness, you will. Because then you'll suddenly understand how much time went into them. And expertise. In particular, the thing that still breaks my brain every time I look at it is on my Ray Tenshi, my little doll from Volks that has is about the same size as a Pookie Pookie. On that doll's eyebrows, there are individual eyebrow lines. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and like I have oh goodness, I can't believe I'm blanking on the name of the artist who did the face in my one dude. Oh! It's just oh man, I am losing every single bit of memory I have, but the one face up I have is like pictures of it do not do it justice. Seeing it in person in all the delicate detail that like you miss looking at it from afar is just man yeah man. we're having so, a moment <laughs> so as you go and desperately grab supplies and all the dream heads you've had at half price because it doesn't have a body and you can try to paint on it and uh well first off we should probably tell you to uh Make sure to follow us on iTunes or Stitcher or Google Play. And you can find us at www.ningyobingo.com. And, of course, you can email us at ningyobingo at gmail.com. <laughs> ningyobingo at gmail.com. I'm a little tired, too. And, and we love say, hearing from you. We yes. love hearing from you. We would love to hear your stories about anything that we've talked about in the past 14 episodes. 14 episodes. Yes. Crazy, it's, right? It's hearing from you and seeing comments from you or even just reviews on iTunes. Hearing what you have to say and getting feedback from you really feeds us in what we're doing. And it gives us sort of the motivation to keep moving forward. So if you really enjoy the podcast and what we do and what we talk about... Um, we really would love to hear from you, and I'd highly encourage you say something, even if it's just a hi, love what you're doing, keep doing it, or I had this experience, anything at all, we'd love to hear it. So, now, as you're going out to buy a bunch of uh, paints and things and heads and floating heads so that you can try your craft out, remember to keep on collecting dolls, but always keep a budget. Keep a budget.